Are you ready to, uh, to launch? Are you ready to move out of the basement of spiritual infancy? I just want to talk a few moments about that in this, this follow-up to the earlier lesson. And one thing I want to say, I think this is very important, of all the things that I said earlier about the church at Corinth, there is something very important to keep in mind, and that is they were still the church. They were still God's people. You go back to the first chapter when Paul began the letter, he describes them in verse 2 as the church of God which is at Corinth. To those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling. You know, the scriptures identify problems in our lives, but the message always is that if we are failing to launch, God wants us to do that, and God wants to help us, and God acknowledges that we are still His. We just need to get it off the ground. He then says in verse 4, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in Him. And again, that's encouraging to know that in spite of this statement that He makes, I cannot or could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, he was still thanking God for them because he expected better things. He expected progress. As, as we continue on our journey to heaven, here's something that I want you to bear in mind and that I remind myself of every day, and that is every journey begins with the first step. doesn't matter how hard the journey is. doesn't matter how long it is doesn't matter where you start. It begins with the first step. And sometimes the hardest step is the first. Uh, I talk about exercising and working out. You know what the hardest part of my workout is? It's just walking down to the gym. <laughs> For me, that's the hardest part. I can think of 10 million other things that need to be done that are important, more important than me going and working out. So that first step is the hardest step. The, the change, the, the hardest part of change is just taking that first step. Well, for the Christian, the first step really is commitment to Christ. Once you've made that commitment, once you, you've truly bought in, then everything else begins to fall in place. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, Paul wrote, No man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the first step. The first step is to begin with that foundation. That is to say, I'm going to be a disciple. No matter what happens in my life, I'm going to be committed to the one who was committed to me. I'm going to give it all for the one who gave it all for me. I want to give my life up in service for the one who gave his life up in service so that I can be saved. In Ephesians chapter 2, we see the thought expressed again, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. 
What is the cornerstone? It's the stone that's in the corner. <laughs> when you build the house, if you line everything up with the cornerstone, then it's going to be a good house. In your life, if Jesus is the first step, if he is the cornerstone, everything else is going to line up. In Ephesians chapter 6, here, here's a, a place to go, and we could go to so many different places. Paul writes, be strong. Where? In yourself? In your preacher? In your local church? In your religious views? Be strong in the Lord. He's the foundation. He's the cornerstone. He's the first step. Be strong in him and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. Let's get going. Let's watch. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Remember our adversary? The one who wants us to stay down? He, he wants to knock us down, but he, then he wants us to never get up. He wants us to never launch. He wants us to be the source of division in the church. He wants us to be the source of weakness so that others line up behind us. Our struggle, verse 12, is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. How are you doing with that struggle? How are you doing with that battle? How are you doing in this spiritual warfare? Take up the full armor of God. It's time to pick it up. Take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day because it's coming and having done everything to stand firm. Progress begins with the first step. But then thinking about that parable of the sower that we looked at earlier. Your heart is the soil. Your heart is the soil. How much attention do you give to that heart? I'm not talking about the house. I'm not talking about the physical body. I'm talking about the heart. Do you spend more time looking in the mirror? to make sure the hair looks good, the makeup looks good, the whatever is there looks good? Do you spend more time looking at where your body is at? Or do you spend more time looking at where your heart is at? If you want to launch, you've got to stop thinking like the world. Parable of the sower, again, if you don't understand, seek to understand. The Bible says, Paul wrote, you can understand my insight when you read it. The Bible says, seek to understand. You've got to have the desire. Don't just give up just because you can't understand the instructions on how to put the barbecue grill together. That doesn't mean you rebox it and send it back. You just read it again. You, you keep reading it until you figure out how to put that thing together. Or you YouTube it. 
or you Google it, or you ask somebody. <laughs> Show some desire in cultivating the soil of the heart. Well, affliction and persecution, it, it causes you to fall away. Well, just get back up. The world knocks you down. You're persecuted. I can't begin to tell you how many times I've had to endure persecution for trying to do what's right. I mean, goodness, give me a break, world. You know, you, 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 you're, I'm not the town drunk. I'm not the town rascal. Can't, is there somebody out there who can just appreciates a simple guy who's just trying to do the right thing? No, Satan just wants to bring everybody into your life that's going to falsely accuse you, that's going to knock you down, that's going to persecute you for doing what's wrong, right. But you've got to get back up. Your heart, you've got to protect it. You've got to stand back up. You've got to stand strong. What about the worry of the world? Stop worrying about it. The worry of the world, you don't have to worry. That's a choice. You don't have to be anxious. That's a choice. The deceitfulness of wealth... How long is wealth going to have to deceive you before you realize that wealth is deceptive? It's not going to bring you happiness. You can buy new car after new car. You get the bigger car. You get the better car. You get the more expensive car. How, how many times do you have to go through that trying to find happiness before you realize it's just not going to work? Stop it. Cultivate the soil of the heart. Jump to that verse 23. The one on whom seed was sown on the good soil. This is the man who hears the word. He understands it. He, he bears fruit and he brings forth. He's getting busy. He, he's becoming a servant. She's becoming a servant. She's helping others. He's helping others. They're cultivating the soul of the heart and they're doing it every day. Have you ever noticed how the scriptures place emphasis on this everyday approach to Christianity. In the second chapter of the book of Acts, for example, in verse 46, we read about the disciples day by day, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Day by day, they were doing something to cultivate the soul of the heart through their relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. Chapter 5 and verse 42, after the, the apostles were, were persecuted and, and they were told not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus, they, they found their boldness and every day in the temple and from house to house, they just kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They had launched because they had cultivated the soul of their hearts. In Acts chapter 17, when Paul came to Berea, having left Thessalonica, it says in Acts 17 and verse 11, these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures to see whether these things were, were so. They were more noble-minded, they received the word, and they were examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. That's how you cultivate the soul of your heart. You make your religion, not just a Sunday, Sunday morning religion, 
but a day-by-day religion. Not just Sunday morning and Wednesday night, but an everyday religion. That's the key to progress. And then finally, get your eyes back on the prize. Get your eyes back on the prize. If, if, if you obeyed the gospel, there was a reason why you did that. If you became a Christian, there was a reason. No, there was a person. And that person was Jesus. The reason was so you would be in eternity with him. Have you taken your eyes off the prize? That can happen. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes about a man that had worked with him, who had been with Paul, who was a fellow worker with Paul. But he describes him in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. He names him Demas, having loved this present world. He has deserted me. Now, do you think he looked bad on the outside? Do you think that the world looked at him and said, that's a terrible person? I would venture to say that his life perhaps didn't look that different other than the fact that he had deserted Paul. He had deserted the work. He had taken his eyes off the prize. He forgot why he became a Christian. In Philippians, the third chapter, Paul writing about his own experience and his own desires, he, he writes in verse 12, not that I've already obtained it, Philippians 3 and verse 12, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, the one thing, there is one thing in every life that really matters, and this is it. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And you talk about someone who launched. Look at the life of the Apostle Paul. He hit the ground running. He committed to Jesus. He recognized that his heart needed to change. He knew that there was an adversary and his desire was to begin the journey by taking that first step and committing his life to the one who gave his life for him. Paul said, our citizenship, verse 20, is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a savior the Lord Jesus Christ. I've come to realize that if I don't have in my heart this eagerness for the Lord's return, this eagerness for the end of life and to be with Him, then I'm never going to watch. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul wrote, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, go back. Go back to the beginning. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that, that are on the earth, for you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. That's what you're moving toward. 
That's what you're working for. And that is what makes you a disciple. That is the commitment that makes you like Jesus because that's the way he lived his life. Did Jesus launch? At the age of 30, he did. At the age of 30, he stood up and he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At the age of 30, he went into the synagogue and he picked up the scroll and he read. And he said, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And from that point forward, he moved toward heaven. From that point forward, everything he did was aimed at going home to be with his father. And as he breathed his last, he could say, it is finished. It is finished. Hebrews chapter 12. Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We're running toward it. We're not walking. We're in a hurry. We have a sense of urgency, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He never took his eyes off heaven. He had been there, and he wanted to go back. And there was nothing that was going to stand between him and the accomplishment of his Father's will. Have you launched? The lesson's yours. If you're here today and you never obeyed the gospel, then, then we want you to launch today. We want you to, to come forward and confess, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. To repent of your sins and to be baptized to have those sins washed away. As you hear that welcome voice, may you say, I am coming, Lord. Please come as we stand and sing.